Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. I'm glad that you are here with us and uh, think that we got to turn the sound up on this a little bit. All right. Good morning. Uh, glad that you're here. And there we go. All right. There. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Good morning again. Glad that we're here. Glad that we can uh, worship together. If you are visiting with us, thank you so much for being here. I'm glad that you have. Uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm just glad that you're worshiping with us. I know we've got family and friends and p- folks from the community that are here, and we are. It is good for us to to be here and to worship God uh, this morning. Uh, over the last uh, couple of months, we've been doing a series on the name of God, and we've been looking at various names in the Old Testament and the New. Testament that tell us about uh, descriptions about who God is, and we've looked at and considered, what does this teach us about God? What does it teach us about the character of God? And, and this God that we, we love and we serve and we follow and we, uh, we say that we, we live our lives for, what is, who is he? And what do we learn about him this morning? We're going to conclude that with the name Emmanuel. And it's been referred to several times already in our scripture reading and also in uh, Topher's comments uh, around the Lord's table. And, and Emmanuel means God with us. And, and I want you to recognize and understand that, that that's always been God's desire. From creation to eternity, God wants to be with us. He wants us, maybe more importantly, he wants us to be with him. Uh, We read in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, In him, in Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And that's, that's maybe even hard for us to really wrap our minds around that, that in Jesus, this, this baby that's born that grows up into a man, all the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. But to remember this name, this, this name Emmanuel that we again read and talk about this time of year so often, I want you to carry with us as we go throughout this lesson, and especially as we end this lesson and even as you leave today, that God wants to be and has always wanted to be with us. He wanted that so much so that he came to dwell among us. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 5 and then verse 14. Familiar to many of us. If you're using a pew Bible, that's on page 886. Page 886 in your pew Bible, the Gospel of John uh, chapter 1. Let's read verses 1 through 5. There it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend or overtake it. And then we go down to verse 14, another verse that talks about Emmanuel, talks about Jesus, and it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. God dwells among us. From the very beginning of time, from the the, the moment that God said, let there be light and there was light, the reason that he did this was not because he needed a relationship with us. Paul teaches us that in Acts chapter chapter 17. He doesn't need to be served by human hands. He He doesn't need anything from us. But in the fact that God is love, he had the desire to create something to love. And that was you. That was mankind, that was this creation, and from that moment and throughout all the moments of eternity, God desires to be with us, and he did this, he wants this so much that he was willing, Jesus was willing to leave heaven above, the place where all of us are trying to get with God, God's presence, to leave that place and to put on flesh. It says there in John chapter 1 that this this deity, this that God 
He describes him as the creator and the light of the world, that he became flesh just so he could be among us. And that's important. Sometimes we get a, we get a distant view or a distant feeling of God, that God is, sure, we, we, many people, even if they're not Christian, many people, uh, even if they're not organized religion, if they're not interested in that sort of thing, many people believe in some sort of greater power beyond us. But God wanted to dwell among us. He wants to be with us. And because of that, he came to live with us. And it says that we beheld his glory. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that night? Can you imagine that time when Jesus was born? Can you imagine being those shepherds out in the, out in the field and those, those angels appear and they sing those, those songs and they praise God and they tell you good news of great joy for all mankind? Can you imagine the glory of that moment? Can you imagine the glory of Jesus walking on the water? Can you imagine the glory of Jesus healing folks and, and helping folks? Can you imagine the glory of interacting and, and being with Jesus like the apostles and the disciples were? during the first century well again that's the glory that God invites us to because he wants to be with us he had that glory and was also full of grace and truth aren't you glad aren't you glad for God's grace aren't you glad that God that Jesus came full of grace full of grace to hand out to give to each of us but it's also important that he was full of truth he wanted to teach us something. He, he needed us. God in Jesus wanted to, us to understand some things. So he came not only with grace, but he also came with truth. Turn to 1 John, uh, one of John's letters. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. Again, if you're using a pew Bible, that's on page 1021. 1021. 1 John chapter 2. Let's read verses Three through six. We want to be with God. If you're a Christian today, if you're here today, I believe you want some sort of relationship with God. And I know that God wants some sort of relationship with you. In John's first letter, it says in first John chapter two, verses three through six. And by this, we know that we have come to know him, to have a relationship with him. How, John, if we keep his commandments. Because the one who says, I have come to know him, I know who God is, I have, I have a relationship with God. The one who says that and does not keep his commandments, John says that person is a liar. And the truth that Jesus came with, full of grace and truth, the truth is not in him. Verse number five, but whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God has been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Now we can get uncomfortable and, and perhaps even upset with the idea, that even though it's true because it's there and because there are commandments, that, that Christianity is a, is a religion of commandments. And, and it is a religion of commandments. There are things that God says, hey, you should do these things. And hey, you shouldn't do these things. And, and Jesus came to show us what that looked like. He came to set that example for us, to show us this is the way you ought to live. And, and we can get upset and uncomfortable and, and maybe some of our, uh, our religious friends can get it that way too, that there are commandments, that there are do's and, and don'ts. There are those things, but, but if you want to break it down into a simpler way, look at verse number six again. The one who says he abides in Christ, in Jesus, the one who says, I've got a relationship with Jesus, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Listen, brothers and sisters, believers, Friends, family, folks from the community. I'm glad you're here today. And I'm glad you want a relationship with Jesus. 
Scripture teaches us that Jesus came full of grace and truth and it was glorious. And he showed us how to live. And the simple fact is, and the simple expectation that God seems to have is, hey, if you want to follow me, then follow me. Live like I lived. Now, I don't know about you, but that calling's too high for me. I don't do that. I don't do it perfectly. I, I try. I try to look at what Jesus did, how he treated people, how he interacted with certain things. And, and I try to live that way, but I fail all the time, every day. I don't know about you, but I, I fail every day. Now, the beautiful part of that is what it says in the same chapter before we read in verse number three. Look at verses one and two. John says there to uh, his little children or to those of us who are, are Christians after his time, he says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. He says, listen, I'm telling you these things because you need to know what's right and what's wrong so that you won't sin. But John is an imperfect man, just like you and I are imperfect people. And he goes on to say, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation. He's the one who appeases God of our sins. And not of ours only, but also for those of the whole world. When we think about who Jesus is, when we think about Emmanuel, why is it important that God came down from heaven to live among us and to be with us? Is not just because he wanted to show us the way, not just because he wanted to, to set this example for us and that he expects us to follow it, but so that he could understand us and that he could intercede for us. If you have your Bibles again, turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, let's look at verses 14 through 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. That's on page 1003, page 1003 in your pew Bibles. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Let's consider before we read those verses what we've learned very briefly, very quickly already. That we are happy that Jesus was born. Without the birth, there is no life. Without the life, there is no death. Without the death, there is no resurrection and no hope of glory. We are thankful for the birth of Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the life that he lived, the death that he died. We recognize that he was able to, that he, he wanted to do this because God has always wanted to be among us, to be with us. And he made a way by showing us grace and truth, showing us the right, right way to live and expecting us to live that way. But knowing God, listen to this, this amazes me. Jesus came to this earth to die for us, knowing that we would fail to constantly live for him. He knew that you would mess up. He knew that you would sin. He knew even after you dedicated your life to him by becoming a Christian, that you would still fail. And he still came nonetheless. His life, not only was his death a, a sacrifice, but his life was a sacrifice. Experiencing the turmoil and the trials and the tribulations of all mankind, his life was a sacrifice, but it allowed him, it allowed God to do something that he would not have been able to do otherwise. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Therefore, because of Christ's life, since we have so great a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things like we are, yet without sin. It's comforting to me, that John says in, in his letter, hey, I'm writing these things to you so that you won't sin. But if you do sin, John would say, because I know you will. God could say, because I know you will. 
I want you to know you've got an advocate. You've got someone on your side. And then Hebrews explains it to us even a little bit more. That we've got someone who, who stands before God in the presence of God. Jesus stands before God on our behalf and goes to bat for us. And, and more importantly than whether he does that right now or, or how he does that right now, one day this is when it's really going to be important. When you and I stand before the judgment seat of God and he's able to look at my life, and he's able to say, Andy, you did, you did some okay things. You were able to do this and this, and you were involved in this kind of thing, and, and those are good things. But, but Andy, what about these things? What about this time you, you failed to do what you were supposed to do? What about this time when you, you purposely chose to do something you know wasn't right, Andy? What, what about all of these things? And, and it's going to be a long list for me. Then my advocate, the Christ, is going to stand by me and say, Father, you're right. Andy has fallen woolly short of your glory. But he has put his faith and his hope and his trust in me. And only because of that, and only if that happens, will I be able to enter into eternal glory with God forever. That's what this high priest is talking about in Hebrews chapter 4, that we have this one who can sympathize, he can empathize. He, because Jesus, because God left heaven above and came to this earth and put on flesh and lived this life, he knows how difficult it is to live life perfectly. And he knows, and he died for us, because he knows we, wouldn't, we would not be able to do it. You see, as we think about Jesus, as we think about Emmanuel, God with us, and our hope and our chance to be with God, we recognize that the baby grew up, and he lived perfectly, he died horribly, he resurrected miraculously, and today in this moment, he reigns victoriously. The only question for you today is, is he the Lord of your life? Does he reign in your life? Are you with him and is he with you? Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. It's on page 944. Romans chapter 8. You can look specifically there in in verse number 34. Romans chapter 8 and verse 34. It says, uh, who is the one who condemns Christ Jesus as he who died? Yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God again, who intercedes for us. He is our advocate. He's the one who can sympathize with our weakness and he intercedes for us. But I wanted to read for, for you that whole passage, verses 31 through 39. I wanted you to take great hope and joy in this passage if you are a Christian this morning, if you've dedicated your life to Christ this morning. Romans chapter 8. Starting in verse 31, are you with Christ? Do you have this relationship with him? Is he dwelling with you? What then shall we say to these things? Before this, he mentions a a number of difficulties that Christians are experiencing and that we experience today. He says, if God is for us, who's against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for all of us. How will he also not with us freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, who was rather raised, who has the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will affliction or turmoil or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. But in all these things, Christians, we overwhelmingly conquer through Christ who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul says 2,000 years ago, and we can confidently say today, I am convinced that neither death, 
nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. How important is Jesus? How important is Jesus to you? Did it strike you as funny every time I read that, that account in Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25 that was read to us earlier? It says, you know, the, the angel shows up in, in a dream and says, hey, it's okay, Joseph, you go ahead and, and, and marry, uh, uh, marry Mary, right? Uh, that's, that's what the angel says. And, and then uh, Matthew offers some commentary there. And he says, uh, this, all of this was uh, set to fulfill the, uh, the prophecy that uh, is in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. And what does Isaiah seven fourteen says? And his name shall be Emmanuel. And then what happens in the next few verses? You know, the baby is born and they name him Emmanuel. No, they don't name him Emmanuel. What do they name him? They name him Jesus. Does that ever, did that strike you as odd? You know, the, the angel shows up and, and, and reminds him and says, hey, it's okay, go ahead and, and marry this lady. And, and, uh, and certainly the virgin birth would have made Joseph and anybody else who heard about it, think about Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, where it says his name shall be Emmanuel, but yet they name him Jesus. It's interesting, and I don't know exactly why that is, but let me tell you something that's interesting about that. Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus means Yahweh saves, or the Lord is your salvation. You see, Emmanuel wasn't so much a name like so many of the other names that we've talked about in our series and that we see in Scripture. Emmanuel was a description. Jesus was God with us. And today, Jesus wants to be God with you. He wants you to abide in him and him to abide in you. He wants to, to be with you. But, but how important is Jesus? Jesus is the fact. The name even means this, that God saves. You see, the only thing the only thing that was powerful enough to overcome God's righteous judgment against all of us as sinners was God with us. You see, there, there was no hope. There is no hope without God being willing to pay the price for all of our sins and to forgive us of those sins today. This morning and tomorrow morning, Many people will be thinking about Jesus, the little baby born in the manger. I think that's fine. I think that's a good thing for us to remember, certainly. But is it more important for us to remember the sacrifice of the grown man, the sacrifice of God incarnate, the sacrifice of God with us, and the fact that he wants to save your souls today this morning are you a believer that jesus christ is a resurrected son of god have you named him as the lord of your life would you turn from all other things and turn to follow jesus and would you be baptized into christ for the remission of your sins if you're not a christian this morning god died for you so that you might live with him have you acted on that Brothers and sisters, many of us have acted on that. Most of us here today have acted on that. We've made that good confession. We've made those decisions and put Christ on in baptism and, and live life as Christians. Let me remind you and encourage you and challenge you as I do myself. 
that God is worthy of all of our life. What are you doing with this man, Jesus? Not just with the baby, but with the man. Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Is he the one that you follow each and every day? If he's not, or maybe you're struggling in that, let me encourage you, you're not alone in that struggle. All of us are in that struggle. And that's when when we are thankful for the fact that Jesus came full of grace and truth. This morning, if if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you and challenge you to become one. If you want to talk about that, uh, we would welcome you to do that. This morning, again, we have a lot of visitors, some folks who haven't been here before. So let me tell you what's going to happen. Our practice is at the end of our our sermons uh, that we, we stand and sing a song. And we give the opportunity for anybody who might, if, we're, if you're not a Christian, you're interested in becoming a Christian, we'd like to help you do that right now. Right now, we don't want to wait. It's an important thing. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. So if you're interested in doing that, we want to help you right now. But also, if you are a Christian and you're struggling and you need to confess sin, and, and not, not confess sin to me, but confess sin to, to us and, and say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling. You don't have to be specific with that. You can just let us know, I, I want to be a follower of Jesus and I struggle to be a follower of Jesus. Then we'll stop and we'll pray for you right now and we'll follow up with you and we'll help you to do whatever we can to help you follow Jesus more closely so here in just a second Jacob's going to come and and uh sing a song we'll all sing together and uh we'll have the opportunity to come and speak to me or to one of our shepherds here and we'd love to help you I'm glad you're here today I can't wait till we all get to be in the presence of God eternally if that's not where you're at today do whatever you need to do to make sure you're ready for that day. If we can help you with that in any way, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.